Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today, we got my good friend, Carlos Reyes, with All In Nation, another big operator in the Phoenix market. He's here for the third time. He's going to talk about how he went from flipping cars on Craigslist to owning 30-plus businesses, if you can imagine that. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer, and every month we help hundreds of people buy more houses at deeper margins. If you want more information about that, DM me the word sales on Instagram, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires, and the information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you will take consistent action, I promise you will become one. And the show is brought to you by Investor Lift. So get access to over 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in Disruptors to get 10% off. And if you get value today, please tag a friend below or share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show every Wednesday at 2 o'clock Arizona time. We are hiring. So if you're interested in working with us, uh, go up, go to disruptors.com slash hiring, and we do have a brand new Discord channel. Click the link below in the show notes uh, to join our Discord channel. You ready? Yeah. Are you done? No, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Hey, it's got a little bit longer. It's got a little bit longer. A lot, a lot has changed since the last time I was here. A lot has changed. Like three years. It's, so. it has, it has three been, years. Can you believe that? Three years, man. I remember you, you sent me a message like, hey, it's been three years, and I was like, there's no way it's been three years. I think I should just get on here like every three years. I think you should probably come here just more to see often. see where I'm at. More often. Oh, yeah, yeah, just get regular updates. Yeah. But when you came on, right, like you and Sal were the second episode. Yeah. And that was when I knew, like, holy crap, like, we have something here. Because I think we had, like, 70-something. I think you had Templeton. The Templeton was number one. one. And then, yeah. Templeton was number one, and you and Sal were number two. But we went, like, because the Templeton, I still remember, because, you know. Vanity metrics, right? For like, sure. I got yeah. 35 live views in the first one. I was like, well, okay, that's pretty cool because yeah. people say, like, getting two or three is pretty good. Yeah. And then you guys, we had over 70. And then when you guys came back, we had over 300. Yeah, I feel like at one point everybody wanted to know what Sal and I were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think they really care now. <laughs> I, I think I, I disagree. I'm joking. Well, but, but the reason why I'm disagreeing is that everyone's in different points of their journeys, right? I mean, we hear people that that reach out to me and like, you know, here's where I'm at. Like, I haven't done a deal yet. Or I just closed my first deal, but I only made 3,000. It's like, like, don't. Wait, hold on. You can't even get on this podcast if you just did one deal. No, I'm talking about the people that DM me. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. Yeah. So they DM I'm me. Like, what's going on here? And I, and I was like, like, don't measure, right? Like, we all start somewhere. And mm-hmm. you started. For sure. Flipping cars on Craigslist. Yeah, man. So uh, that's actually how Sal, Sal's partnership with with me actually uh, came came together. Um he gave me the opportunity. So Sal, you know, I was working on a five job and uh, actually already flipping cars at a very small, a small dealership that he owned. And he really, you know, we became best friends in 2013. And he was like, hey, man, he's like, you want me to take you to the to the car auction and maybe you can flip a car or two and make some money. So he took me to the uh, car auction in 2013 and uh, I bought a car. It was a Saturn Ion uh, 07. I bought it for $2,500. And I sold it for $5,000. And uh, I made $2,500 in 24 hours. And Sal was like, he's like, hey, man, you, you can sell anything. He was like, I bought Oh, I, so I, he, he showed you how to do it or where to go. He showed you where to go. He is, he, yeah. And then you showed him how it's done. Oh, I flipped that thing in 24 hours <laughs> yeah. to a person on Facebook. Yeah. You know, and, and um, so that, he was like, man, I, I like the way you move, you know, and uh, and he's and he and then we became best friends and he started getting to know like what my core values were and my principles were and who I was as a person. 
and vice versa. You know, he already had a partnership with his brother and his and his and his father in the car industry. And he's like, hey man, you know, I, I really want to do something with you. Um, you know, what 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 do you what do you think of that? I want to partner up with you. This was around 2014. Well, hang on before we get into that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you could sell, right? You saw that thing quick. Mm -hmm. This is probably not your first sales job. No, no, I've been I've been selling since I was five years old in Mexico. Yeah, which I probably for those people that this is the first time that I'm on here uh, as an individual. I should probably, in a two-minute, you know, uh, two-minute rapid fire, two-minute rapid fire, yeah. just maybe tell people, like, you know, how the hell I even got here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so my first sales job was uh, I was uh, four or five years old selling uh, uh, bread in my neighborhood in Mexico, uh, going door-to-door. -door. My brother and I, that's what we were doing in Mexico. And what a lot of people may not understand, and I still get a lot of hate for this, when I say that uh, Mexico doesn't have a middle class, um, I don't know if you've seen some of the comments on my TikTok or on my uh, uh, Instagram or even on Facebook. I just posted a video yesterday about like, um, you know, me being uh, one of the few Mexicans that doesn't know how to landscape. I didn't say I didn't say all Mexicans landscape. I said I'm one of the few Mexicans that doesn't do their own landscaping. Yeah. I have 150 something thousand views in one day on TikTok from yesterday. And I have over 500 hate comments. For what? Who do you think you are? I mean, we, I was la I, I laughed at the first five, and then I just kind of just like didn't read the rest of the other 400. Yeah. Right? What are they hating for? I don't know. They thought I was talking down on my own people. But it, and I'm like, uh, uh, hello. I'm like, hey, unlike you, uh, sir, I'm, I'm a Mexican from Mexico. You're a Chicano. You were born in this country with a lot more security than I was. Uh, mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is this, right? I was born into dirt poverty in Mexico. You know, my house, 350 square feet, had no bedrooms, no bathrooms. On one side, of, and, and dirt floors, by the way, and, and no running electricity and no running water. My running water was when a guy came up in a huge truck with a big old container, and we got gallons from there, okay? Um, that's how we stacked up our water for the week. Our, our, our electricity, were literally, literally gas lamps that my, my grandmother would, would put together. It's like, have you ever seen those gas lamps? You put gas, you put gas, yeah. you, you light it up, you, you, there's a little knob mm -hmm. and you can, you know, yeah, you can, you adjust it, yeah. it, it goes up and down, right? That was us for like the first several years of our childhood. And like I said, in that 350 square foot home that was built by hand by my grandfather, it was made out of like little plywood and wood for, uh, the structure was wood. Mm -hmm. um, dirt floor and then plywood and then laminate roofing. And on one side, uh, the qu one queen bed was there and it was my grandfather and my grandmother. And on the other side, it was me and my brother on one twin bed and then my mother on another twin bed. There was no living room, there was no bedrooms, there was no bathrooms. I'm still tripping out about the part where people are upset with you about the landscape. Comment. Are these like Hispanic people? These are, are Hispanic people. Okay, so they're like, you're talking attacking. bad about us. Like you think you're better than us kind of deal. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, and I okay. know. If they, you know, this is, this is the ignorance of people, by the way, more than likely, you know, just your average social media viewer only sees the first, how many seconds of the video? Uh, half Three a to second. five, right? No, okay. Like first half a second. So they, they saw the beginning of the video when I say, I might be one of the only Mexicans that you know, that doesn't know how to do their own landscaping or that doesn't do their own landscaping. And then I talked about the message was. 
uh, your return, your monetary return on time. Mm -hmm. I said, hey, if, if I'm making $10,000 an hour and I'm paying my landscaper, you know, $1,600 a month to come, you know, once a week, right? That's about $400 a week or whatever. I have an acre, so it's a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you break that down by the hour. I said, I am making way more than what I would be making if I was doing my own landscaping. I yeah. said, I like to measure my return on time at all times, at all times. You know, it's really weird. Um, it's probably not really weird, but it's, it's so the, the weird is not the word that we're going to use to describe what you're about to say, but go ahead. So I grew up here, right? You know, growing up in Arizona and I went to California for graduate school, mm -hmm. you know, for UC San Diego. And that was the very first time I ever seen an Asian landscaper. Right? It wasn't until I went to California. I've never seen an Asian landscaper. It wasn't until I went to California. I was like, we're allowed to landscape. Like, I, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, so going back to sales skills, door-to-door, yep. so, -door, selling bread. Yep, so this is, so again, just to, it's congruent with my story, right? You know, born in their poverty, born in Mexico, um, we had no choice as kids but to proactively try to generate income. So my first, uh, in our neighborhood, you know, my mom was, uh, at that time, I think she was cleaning resorts. Um, she was cleaning hotel rooms at a resort, and... Um, you know, we were hanging out after school at one of my friend's house and his, his mom would bake bread and it was pretty damn good. So um, even at the age that was, I was around five years old, I said, hey, you know, uh, I said, why doesn't your mom bake enough bread so we can go and sell it? That no, They never even thought of that, right? right? But I saw people selling uh, gum, bread, you know, like food. Like I saw like my people, Mexican people, like we are out there hustling, mm -hmm. right? I think about this, all right? When you go to Mexico, I don't know if you go to Mexico, do people come up to you and just ask you for money or do people try to provide a service and then ask for money? Yeah, they try to sell you something. They try to sell you something, they try to clean your windows, they try to clean your cars, mm -hmm. they try to clean something and then like give me the money, right? Right. So that's the way that I was programmed and conditioned. So, you know. Yeah, that's interesting though, because that's a really good point because it's here, not unusual here to see people here, yeah, asking for different. money. Yeah. Over there, they're like- We're selling something. Let We're me, let me something. hustle you on yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> and then you pay me a tip. Right. You pay me whatever. You know, you but there's, there, there's a somewhat exchange of value. There is an exchange of a service for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So anyway, um, that was my first sales job, man, is I was going door to door uh, selling bread. I would keep 50% of the earnings and I would take, I would give, it was like, well, I guess like a JV deal, right? Like yeah. give 50% to the baker, uh, which was my friend's mother and keep 50% for myself. And that was my first ever uh, entrepreneurship venture. Yeah, so you think the sales skills you got from door knocking, selling bread, translated eventually to I think Craigslist? The, not only that, brother, but I saw uh, I, I saw my mother, right? I saw my mother slaying electronics, cars, clothes. Like I saw my mom hustle. Like her her regular job. Think about it, right? My mom used to make four dollars and like twenty five cents an hour. Like she had two jobs, and then her third job was to hustle. Whatever she can get her hands on and flip, all right, I'm going to buy this stereo here, and I'm going to flip it here for an extra $30. You see what I'm saying? Like, she was always trying to get it. You know, it's funny, because I've never thought about this until you brought this up. So, mm -hmm. like, with my dad, you know, my both my parents are always working between 60 and 80 hours of work. Never mm -hmm. saw them, right? Not, not a bad thing. It's just they were working. That's just what it was. Their bus, yeah. right? And now that you mentioned this, my dad would, like, regularly on weekends, like, go fix someone's garage. Go fix their VCR, help them do their taxes yep. just yep. for, like, a little extra money. And I never really thought about it. To just it now. adds up. Yeah. It adds up. And, you know, at that time, let's be honest, right? Uh, the dollar was worth way more than it is right now. Like yeah. back then, you know, a dollar actually had some weight, you know? Yeah. 
Uh, right now, I mean, think about it. Like, what is the dollar worth with uh, all the inflation that's going on in the world? But not only that, but, you know, I always talk about this, right? I'm like, what's worth more? Or, or what, what has more value, a dollar earned or a dollar saved? Have I ever told you this story? Uh, no, but I mean, I would, I would argue present dollar, so the dollar earned versus the dollar saved. You think the dollar earned is more than the dollar saved? Dollar saved is going to be 90 cents next year. You ready? Go ahead. Here's a lesson. A dollar saved is a dollar. Yeah. A dollar earned is not a dollar. After they take Social Security, after they take, right. um, uh, um, they take, uh, you know, your your insurance, uh, after FICA. they take your yeah everything, right? Yeah, yeah. You end up with what 50, 60 cents maybe after all that tax mm -hmm. taxes, right? Mm -hmm. So a dollar saved is a dollar. A dollar earned is not really a dollar. Yeah. So there's a lot of power, right? There's a lot of power, to, you know, with when you're saving money, mm -hmm. right? For those people out there that don't know how to save money, let that be an incentive that a dollar saved is far worth more than a dollar earned. Sure. You know, so I just want people to understand the difference there that not just because you're making a dollar doesn't mean that you are getting a dollar. Well, not just that though, right? Because I think one of the biggest problems we have, and I think that you know, you and I probably play a decent factor in this, is that we're always talking about like you know how much money you make and this fee and this and that. But to your point, that fifteen thousand dollar check is not fifteen thousand dollars. That fifteen thousand dollar check, even before taxes, right? You got the marketing cost, the mm -hmm. overhead, and this and that. Like yep. that fifteen thousand after tax and everything might be like twenty five hundred, right? Three grand. Yeah. Uh, depending on what your, you know, your average deal cost is once you yeah. factor in, you know, commissions and marketing and all kinds of other things. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah. yeah so I mean, that's a good point. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, that was my first sales job. And by the way, if anybody out there is wondering how the hell I got to this country, well, um, I, you know, I got to this country. I, I came legally to this country twice. The first time was through California. Uh, you know, and I'll just one minute of this is. Literally, my mother carried my uh, brother on one hand, and she dragged me, uh, kind of pulled me uh, through a sewer canal uh, with her other hand to get into um, uh, Escondido, California. Uh, we went through a border uh, called San Isidro next to TJ. We failed. I attended the second grade. I, I stayed after school, and I was in the ESL, like English as a second language, and I was like doing my best to learn English because at that time, man, I was getting bullied. Mm -hmm. from like other, again, if you look at my comments, other Mexicans and Hispanics, which are Chicanos, were like, ha ha, you can't speak English. Like they were like, ah, oh, you wet, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the, the W word, I don't mm -hmm. know if you know what the W word is. I was getting called every name of the book by my own people at that time. It wasn't mm -hmm. even like, I had a white friend named Patrick who would bring an extra sandwich so I can eat, and he was like my best friend, he was white, right? Mm -hmm. I had a black friend named Larry, and we would play basketball. It was like the Hispanic people that were like, Constantly just bullying me was it was the weirdest thing in the world. Anyway, lasted about a year, and then uh, you know my mother's income was just not enough to survive in California. We went back to Mexico, and the entire family made fun of us. You know they were like, "Ha ha, I told you so," right? Because they were like, "No, no, no, what are you doing? What? Well, you know my mom's a visionary. You know I mean that's where I get a lot of my traits, my good traits from, right?" Mm -hmm. No, uh, her name is Vicky. No, Vicky, you're, you're, you're a woman. You, your sons are undocumented. Uh, you're the youngest one of all of them. Like, no, of all of us, they have 11 siblings. Like, no, what are you thinking? You're, you're gonna put yourself at risk, your life at risk, and your, your kids at risk. What are you thinking? She's like, this is just a sacrifice that I have to make for my children so my children can have better than what's going on here. Right. That was her vision, and her vision came into, uh, came, uh, into a reality, reality, right? It came... It came uh, but this is the important part, man. We went back to Mexico, and I'm thinking, I'm like, man, I, I clearly, vividly remember now 
We went back to Mexico and she had a plan. Her plan was to get us back over here. But this time she said, hey, I have some people in Phoenix and they tell me that it's, it's uh, more affordable there. And she's like, okay, mom, so what's the plan? What are we gonna do? She's like, well, you're gonna go bag groceries, which I went to bag groceries at a retail store. Mm -hmm. She's like, I'm gonna continue to clean the, the hotel rooms and we're gonna save up enough money and uh, I'm gonna come over here first, which is her. She's gonna come over first, she's legal. And then I'm gonna bring you first, you're my oldest, and then I'm gonna bring your brother. Sure thing, man, a year and a half later, you know, we had already sent her. Um, she brought me over, she paid a guy $25 to get me through a fence. And, uh, and then she got me to Phoenix and she started my paperwork process uh, in 1997. And then I got a work permit first. And then a year later, I, have, I got a permanent uh, resident card. And then five years later, I got my citizenship. So it, was a, it, was, it took me over 15 years to, to, get, uh, to become a citizen of this country. And I wouldn't trade that for anything, man. Like, look what's happened to, in my life yeah. because of her vision, by the way. And I retired her in uh, 2017. You know, I retired her in 2017. And, uh, you know, uh, her, she gets to live the rest of her life retired by her son because of the sacrifices that she made. And I get to live my life in victory because of the sacrifices that she made. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I changed, like, I'm the first millionaire in my family. You so, know, I'm the first millionaire in my family. It's huge. Um, so let me ask you, you know, we're talking about the, um, the sales, right? Like, did you sell anything else along the way? And I'm asking this question, right? Like. One of the, it's, it's interesting the the trending video I have right now on Instagram, something I posted like two months ago, but like it went viral yesterday. It's so weird how Instagram works. They were talking about like, Hey, we hire drug dealers, right? Like, uh, well, the, it wasn't exactly we hire drug dealers. Like we're not opposed to it. Right. But DM me. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wow. And so, I mean, is there anything, were there any other hustles that you had along the way? Um, to, yeah, I sold. So I, I, man, I flipped anything that I can get my hands on. Um, you know, one of the most humbling situations was um, selling clothes at the Swami, you know, mm -hmm. and this is in my 20s, by the way. Um, yeah, is, I mean, that's gotta be very humbling going my, to Swami, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so my, uh, my nine to five job just wasn't really paying the bills. Um, I was having, I was, you know, after like, taxes are taken out, insurance, 401k, IRA, I mean, I'm, I'm left with like, after I pay the bills, two to $300, mm -hmm. it was, it was, it was hard. It was really, it was really hard, man, to, um, at that point, you know, I have my wife, I have my child and I'm like, man, this is not living like this is not living. So what I did was, um, my buddy, uh, one of my best friends, Spencer, um, he would come across deals where he would get clothes really cheap from, I, I didn't ask from where or from who, right? Like he would fell out of a truck. I, I maybe, I don't know. You know, I, I really don't know, but you know, what I would do, like my, my part, you know, I was, I was a salesperson and I can talk to people. So I said, hey man, why don't we go set up shop every single Saturday uh, at the Swami? And sure thing, we would pay 180 to $200 to get our little booth. Mm -hmm. We would bring our little table. We would put all the, you know, brand new jeans and shirts and all that. And, and, and we would make a few hundred dollars every weekend hustling. So that was one. I almost became a, a millionaire twice, by the way, uh, not from that, mm -hmm. right? And not from selling cars and not from selling diabetic test strips, you know, no, no. I almost became a multimillionaire because um, I had the vision, one of my friends had a up and coming artist um, uh, in the Mexican regional uh, uh, music industry. His name is Luis Coronel, he, be, he was like the Justin Bieber of, he was like young, good looking, had a hit of you know four or five million plays, whatever. Like this guy was the next hot thing, and they didn't have a merchandise. Uh, they didn't have a merchandise department, and I was like, hey man, you know, because I was already flipping clothes and hats, right? I'm yeah. like, 
hey, what if I create a merchandise department for the, for, for the artist? He's like, let's do it, right? Sure thing, you know, I, 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 you know, I set up a bigcartel.com uh, site with like all the different, you know, I came up with like the different models of shirts, you know, and, and, and hats, and we started making 15 to $30,000 a month in, 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 um, in uh, gross, gross revenue, but I mean, to make clothes, it's not a lot. So mm. we were probably, we were probably in the 90%, like, you know, net profitability. And after three months, I'm like, all right, man, so, uh, you know, can we put some things together in writing? And then he's like, you know, not him, but the other side of the management, they were like, hey, we'll take it from here. Yeah. Boom, screwed. Yeah. Screwed. Like, we're making fifteen to 30000 and it's just beginning to take off. We're not even at the concerts yet. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like, if I'm at the concerts and we're selling clothes there. Yeah, people that already paid to come we're in. We're going to make a lot of money, right? Yeah. So they're like, we'll take it from here. That was the first time I, I could have became a, a multimillionaire. The second time was with another artist. Um, this guy had an, uh, I did the same thing. I didn't learn my lesson. I trusted the same person twice, right? Um, this guy, uh, I think his name was Alfredo Olivas. I don't know what his name was, but he's huge. This guy has millions and millions of followers. Sure thing, man, I started making some of his merchandise. And uh, I thought we were gonna put something uh, in writing a lot sooner, because that's what I was promised. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, prove yourself, and, and, and we'll put something in writing. So I proved myself, and then sure thing, same scenario. Yeah. Twice. Screw, yes. What is it? Screw me once, shame on me. Screw me twice, shame on you. No, no. screw me once, shame on you. Screw me twice, shame on me. Yeah. Shame on me. Right. Um, so then did, yeah. that, did that affect things then when you went when you initially partnered up with, uh, with Sal, right? Because he was like, you know, you partnered up like we were like hey, you know we gotta crazy? get yeah 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 so with me and Sal it was it was a different dynamic because we didn't put an operating agreement together for any of our companies until 2018 so four years later it was like handshake right before we met yeah yeah really yeah, yeah. we and at this point in 2018 is when we started launching all these different you know ventures because by then we were you know we had made a good amount of money through real estate. And we're like, okay, so what do we do with this money, right? Like, you know, we didn't really have, like we, we were great wholesalers at that time. We weren't really good, like, excuse me, real estate investors or real estate entrepreneurs. We're like, well, we should probably take two to 400,000 and park it in this multifamily deal here of 80 units. We weren't thinking like, oh, there's a mobile home park there that can give us a return of X amount. Mm -hmm. We weren't thinking that. We were just like, we were hustlers, you know? We weren't really businessmen at that point. Yeah. We didn't really start becoming businessmen until 2018. So, yeah, and I, I, this is the reason why I wanted to talk to you, right, mm -hmm. is, like, when you started with flipping cars off of Craigslist, right, yeah. like, this is a single business, and, you know, for a lot of people that are listening, they can't get past the idea of just wholesaling houses, right? Even, oh. like, wholesaling and flipping are two different businesses, and that could be a little challenging when you're a solopreneur or a smaller operator. So, from flipping cars, what was your next venture? Real estate. So real estate. Yep. Right. And at that time, you didn't feel like you were really a business person. Like you were just hustling. a hustler. I was still a hustler. Right. Yeah. That's why I didn't. I, I unlike a lot of the gurus out there. Right. No disrespect to any of them, but I didn't start educating till like four or five years in. Like mm -hmm. once I, I never even thought about educating. I never even thought about becoming a public figure or an influencer like that. Nobody, well, at least me, maybe the kids nowadays, they get into the game for that reason, mm -hmm. right? Because they just want the cloud and the, the fame and whatever, right? Yeah. They have their own little personal internal insecurities that mm -hmm. they have to, you know, alleviate at some point. But for me, it was like, man, I'm just trying to make money for my family. Right. Like, I didn't get into this game. Like, I got into this game to, like, gain some freedom, some financial freedom to, 
retire my mo mother, retire my wife, to provide for my children. Like, that's what I got into this game for, not to chase whatever everybody's chasing these days. So know? then at which point were you still running real estate when you finally became transitioned from hustler to business owner or was it until you started another venture? So at this point, um, we did start another venture, which was the diabetic test strips. Um, and it's, it's not just diabetic test strips, it's diabetic supplies. No. It started with test strips and then it became much bigger. Well, because right? I just kind of think of like, you know, the We Buy Houses, right? Because yeah, yeah, you, you see all, all these those apartments. signs. Yeah, and, yeah I, I get it. No, no, like all kinds of different like reservoirs, um, meters, um, all kinds of different things for, for, for diabetics, right? Mm -hmm. And what's crazy is our biggest year in that business was in 2017. We made over $6.3 million gross revenue with mm -hmm. a 27% profit margin, which wasn't bad, right? Yeah. But still, you know, that's when we started to really, you know, okay, we got this business, we got the medical, you know, the medical business. All right, let's let's launch this, you know, data business, this software business, and you know, investor automation and blah blah blah. All these other business ventures came, which, by the way, um, if anybody out there is listening, we are going to exit some of these ventures. Um, internally and externally. Uh, what I mean by externally is we are going to sell some of these business ventures that are making anywhere from 300,000 to a few million dollars. We're gonna exit some of these businesses because right now what we're focusing on are four things, right? Our core four is literally real estate, flipping, wholesaling, holding, you know, multifamily, all that, right? Software, Right, which is all the companies that we have, you know, prospectx.com, listiva.com, all these other softwares that we have. have. Um, and then uh, it's education, which is all in, you know, all in nation, um, you know, education. And we're, we're changing the dynamic of that whole situation. We're probably not even gonna be mentoring anymore soon. Um, and so that's been a great journey. Um, and then our fourth now is e-com, e-commerce. It took us two years to launch this business. Yeah. You know, we, it took us like physically and strategically two years to get into the e-com business yeah. and you know why oh i know exactly you saw it you saw yeah. what happened yeah there are a lot of people that made a lot of promises there's a lot of brother i have mentees that are out 80,000 40,000 50 you know i got i got mentees that you can i can name drop which i want right now that gave money to these hustlers that went from wholesaling mm -hmm. to what's the next big big hustle oh e-commerce yeah oh forex Oh, what uh, flipping planes? Whatever, whatever the hell. Has, that's you. You. They never became businessmen. They mm -hmm. never became businessmen. Yeah. And, and and that's the one advice that I one advice that I would give anybody out there that wants to eventually go from hustler to businessman to a businessman. You're gonna have oh, to. Man. You're gonna have to evolve, and you're gonna have to grow, and and, and you're gonna have to change your approach to the way that you launch these new business ventures, and most importantly, the value that you're bringing to the marketplace and the commitment and the core values that you're bringing to the marketplace so, because a lot of people got burned. So you're obviously very passionate about this. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about, right, the transition from hustler to business mm -hmm. person, right? Like, How about well, we go from sales to hustler to businessman? Yeah, so, Because right. I Because I, I was a salesperson before I was a hustler. Mm -hmm. And then I was a hustler before I was a businessman. So what's the difference between a salesperson and a hustler? Well, uh, when, you're, when you're a salesperson, you, you're, you're kind of plugging in. You're mm -hmm. plugging in wherever there's a sale to be made. Yeah. Right, it could be, you know, it could be at a retail place, it could be at a car, play, car mm -hmm. dealership, it could be in, in an operation like this, right? A real estate uh, uh, investment, right? Mm -hmm. uh, investing operation. 
Um, well, eventually you're like, okay, well, you know, I want to go from, uh, I want to be able to hustle and make more money. So then you go, you take those, that, you know, God-given talent, gifts, and skill sets to now you're applying, you're, you're, you're integrating that into a venture or a business that could give you a higher return, like wholesaling and e-commerce and, you know what I mean? Like all these other hustles that are out there, right? Mm -hmm. And then eventually you're like, wait a minute, uh, I got to run my ventures or my enterprise, depending on how many businesses you have, like a real entrepreneur, like a real businessman, right? With KPIs and metrics and measurables and personnel and systems and processes. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Right? Like everything, like you just start to evolve. You start to evolve, you start to grow and everything starts to change for you. Yeah. So was the first thing, right? Like the first step in, in, in hiring. taking that first step. Okay. So hiring. Most hustlers don't have a staff. Mm -hmm. They don't have they don't know where to even begin. They don't know who to, who to hire, when so to hire. They're, they're glued to their phone. Most hustlers are owner operators. They're at dinner and someone calls and they have to take the phone right now, mm -hmm. walk away from the dinner table yep. with the wife and family mm -hmm. and got to sell this, whatever is going on right now. Yeah. 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 That, brother, I haven't talked to a, a seller since maybe 2017, 2018. You know what I mean? 2018 for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't talk to sellers. I don't. I don't coordinate transactions. I don't even know what addresses we're cashing in on. You know, like uh, we had a we had a, a, a leadership meeting this morning at ten o'clock, and you know everybody was like, "Hey, man, we're about to make six figures on, on Mesquite, one hundred fifty thousand. I'm like, well, "Who? What? Where? Mesquite? Mesquite, Nevada? Like, you know, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on." See, I was just thinking street name. <laughs> you, miss, you know, Mesquite, Nevada. I don't even know the street name. I can't tell you how many yeah. bedrooms that house has. But that, that's the thing. Like, that's when you become a business owner. So what was key in your hiring process, right? Because, like, it, when I first said, oh, I'm going to hire, I screwed up the first 10 hires. Right? The, my first 10 hires, I was a disaster, yep. right? Like, I kind of got really lucky with my first one, but I couldn't even keep her because mm -hmm. I was a terrible leader. Mm. So... What is the first step then for someone that wants to grow and scale, like the tip for hiring? Let's talk about real estate. Um, I think your first hire should be an acquisition manager because mm -hmm. get, get, we're trying to remove ourselves as the sales member, the salesperson to hustler to business owner, right? Mm -hmm. I think the first hire, uh, when 10, 15, 20 leads are coming in on a daily basis consistently, you have to hire uh, an, an acquisition manager that's going to take on that workload. Mm -hmm. What happens when you hire an acquisition manager that's gonna take on the workload that was taking 80 to 90% of your time as a business owner? What happens? You freed up 80, 90% of your time. And 100% of him is better than 20% of you at one point, right? At right. some point. So that's the first hire that someone needs to make is, hey, I gotta hire somebody that's gonna replace the biggest workload that I currently have. Mm -hmm. Boom, acquisition manager, right? You so start building from the next there. one, let me ask you this, because oh. I see this mistake made all the time, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you're the business owner. You're spending money on marketing, overhead, everything mm -hmm. else, right? Mm -hmm. And you're paying your salesperson 5, 10, 15, 20%. And you look at the end of the month, your sales guy made more money than you, mm -hmm. which you is can, not unusual. I can fix that for you. What are your thoughts? Okay. Well, we used to operate the same way that every single other real estate operation operated with like, all right, we're giving you 10% of your deal. Like, brother, we've been through every scenario mm -hmm. with our internal acquisition specialist, right? Where, all right, we're giving you 10%. All right, hold on, now we have a tier system and you have to earn your 10%. All right, now you're making six, seven, and 8%. You see, we've been through every scenario. Mm -hmm. 
And what we know to work best now is a base salary, right? I'll give you an example. We don't have internal acquisition managers anymore. We have 10 virtual acquisition managers, yep. right? And, and they're, not virtual, they're not virtually here in this country. They are, they're through Coggies, Egypt and Mexico, mm -hmm. right? They get paid on a tier system too. They get paid an hourly, which is about seven bucks an hour for my, now I'm paying seven bucks an hour for acquisitions, by the way, mm -hmm. which is phenomenal. Yeah. And they get paid 100, 200, 300, 400 or 500 dollars as a commission on a tier system yeah okay now let's talk about my sales director what we did recently that's really going to help our entire organization for this year it's going to improve it's going to improve everything that's going to improve our overall uh gross revenue and it's also go going to improve the morale of the team and it's going to improve the net profitability of of our of our organization or our real estate uh, um venture right ready we're paying for, I'll give you an example. Our asset director, this is the way that they used to get paid. He used to make $3,500 base. He used to make 10% of his own deals. And then he used to make 3% of the overall override of Over the deals. Yeah. Okay. Now, this person makes more salary, $50,000 as a sales director. So that's there. That's 4,200. I don't know what it is a month. Boom. Base salary. 3% of the overall pie, no matter where, if it's wholesale, if it's fix and flip, he, he gets 3% of the overall pie, mm -hmm. right? I'm sorry, it used to be 1%, now it's 3%. Then he gets a bonus based on, a, a quarterly bonus based on a tier system, one, two, or 3% override bonus if we hit certain goals. Like I'll give you an example. Our bare minimum that our real estate operation has to hit is $3 million, $3 million. That's mm -hmm. like the bare minimum, right? So our tier system goes three, four, five, all the way up to $10 million, right? Most of your, I would say on a, on a uh, privately owned, by the way, privately owned, your highest producing privately owned real estate investing companies are gonna make anywhere from five to $10 million a year. Whether we wanna accept this or not, that's the market cap. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Uh, can you elaborate? Okay. If you have, because I feel like we're one of the, we are one of the top real estate operations when it comes to personnel systems, processes, the way that we're paying our people now, mm -hmm. like everything, marketing, yeah. everything, right? I believe that this year we'll make anywhere between seven and ten million dollars, and that's the, that's the cap, that's the market cap for us. All right, so you're saying like the most any one business can make. Yes, privately, privately, by the way, we're yeah. not talking like hedge funds. Right, no, yeah, I get yeah. that, but it's just like. Realistically, as in operations, like once you get past 10 million, either you're going to run into diminishing returns you're, you're, or you're it's, just... it's it, it's really. I want you to enter like whoever like you should probably send this email or a text message. What did what was your gross revenue last year? I promise you this: nobody will probably be over 10 million dollars gross revenue. Yeah. If it's a private company like ours and yours and Jared's, Vidal's, and everybody yeah. else, right? Um, we can forget Jared. I didn't get invited to his wedding, so he's. He's done. I don't think I, I'm invited. Yeah, he's out. I'll, I don't even know I'll, I'll send him a text message. Let him know that we're, okay, I don't cool. know. I'll just send him right. a text message. Let him know that we were so, no longer friends with Jerry Vidalis. All right. Yeah. So, so okay. So, so salesperson, right? So we talk about sales. Yeah. All right. So that's acquisitions. What's the next key hire? I think the next key hire is a disposition manager. Okay. I really do believe that. Above an uh, administrative person. You think a disposition person? Absolutely. Okay. Um, absolutely. You know, the first thing that you got to, 
take care of in your organization is, is the money. Mm -hmm. The money allows you to grow, right? The money allows you to hire uh, an admin slash accountant. The money allows you to hire a transaction coordinator. The money allows you to, at first you can use your dispo guy as the transaction coordinator. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. right, because you know, as business owners, whether we admit this or not, like we are looking for that net profitability. If you start to give away the farm, and, and, and we were giving away the farm and we didn't even know, like, it, you, you begin to see it, like it's not an even playing field. Like this guy made a quarter million dollars and then this guy made 50, you see? Mm -hmm. That's not, no. You, and that's you wanna, not uncommon. It's, it's, it's but, very common. But it's not, it's not effective. Yeah, and it's, well, not, it's not right. But It's not right. But it's common. You want your team, because your team, mm -hmm. right? Your team congruently works together anyway. Think about it, right? right. My asset director, can't flip, fix and flip a property unless my acquisition team does what? Acquires the property. Acquires the property. Yeah. You see what I'm saying, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we can't wholesale a property. My dispo guy, because there's a difference between the asset director and the dispo, the dispo guy doesn't, he's not fixing flipping properties. Mm -hmm. My asset director is overseeing the project managers of the properties that we're flipping in multiple states, and he's overseeing our buy and holds, right? Um, we have a... Uh, we have a buy and hold company called Residential Tree. It's a it's a management company that like it's kind of cool. Like we create our own management company. Mm -hmm. You see to oversee our rentals, right? Right. So it's kind of cool. But anyway, so our dispo guy, the way that that used to work out is he only used to get paid on the properties that he dispositioned, right? My yeah. asset director didn't get paid right. on those properties. There was times where you know they would like grab a property from a JV deal, and then now my my uh, acquisition, my, my, my sales director didn't get paid and my asset director didn't get paid. See, now I'm making it to the point where everybody gets 3% off or of the overall gross right. revenue pie. You're reducing the us versus them component. I don't care if it's a fix and flip, a wholesale deal, a JV deal. You see what I'm saying? Like. Mm -hmm. I am, I am leveling the play field for everybody to be able to make more, but for the company to be able to make more and net more too. Yeah, yeah. so acquisitions, dispositions. Yeah, so acquisition, disposition, ask, uh, so sales director oversees 10 virtual assistants uh, that are acquisition managers now, mm -hmm. right? We don't, have, we don't have internal acquisition managers anymore, man. I don't know if anybody, whoever's watching or listening out there, but how many times have we as business owners ran into, we bring an acquisition guy in, he learns the game, and what does he do? Competes against you. He, he leaves. Yeah, he leaves and competes against you. He leaves, and that's okay. Yeah. But there's, that is not okay for the long haul here, the long term, it's not okay, because now you've got constant turnover every six to 12 months, mm -hmm. and you're pouring all your time and all your energy and all your resources, and then you just equip them to go and, you know, and, and started, and God bless them for, I'm very happy for all the people that came through all in and their lives were impacted. God bless them, but guess what, man? Like, I'm a business owner and I have a family mm -hmm. and I have a big picture, you know what I mean? You'll be, you'll be happy to hear this. Um, for the first time, for the first time in our business existence, we crushed eight figures. Nice. Like, do you understand what that means? Yeah. Not in just real estate. I'm talking about as an enterprise, mm -hmm. as a conglomerate, right? We, 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 and, and he knows this because I was like, I told, I shared this, uh, I think we shared this live when the news came in. We're like, hey, you know, the numbers came in. They're like, 
you guys made X amount of money and we were you know, well over the, the $10 million mark, right? Yeah. Very exciting times for me because I told Sal that this year I wanna make 30 to $50 million in gross revenue as a enterprise, as an all-in, you know, um, I think uh, I think it's called all-in enterprises or something like because we have our S corp, right? Yeah. I don't even know what it's called. Uh, all-in solutions. Yeah. That's our S corp, and then it's like, you know, you got uh, allinnation.com, Phase One Investments, right? Um, Prospect X, you know, all these other ventures that we have under the umbrella. Mm-hmm. All-in ecom, right? I wanna I wanna crush. Um, I wanna be between 30 to 50 million dollars in gross revenue this year. So, so that's gonna be exciting. Uh, but taking a step back, right? So we got acquisition dispositions. Uh, oh yeah, this is a real estate podcast. Well, no, no, I'm just no, joking. I'm joking. No, no, it's not that though. I, I just want to. I want to. I want to leave a, a roadmap here, right, for the people that are listening, right? Like when you go from your first business to your second and third business, because mm-hmm. we're not going to go through you all thirty businesses. You can't do that, by the way, unless you cannot do that unless you become a real business owner. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna how, talk about how many owner operators do you know that it's still sexy and cool to drive to the flip and be like, hey guys, I'm here at a flip. Uh, brother, the only reason why I would ever even go to a flip is because I'm forced to to shoot YouTube content. Oh, that's great content. You can ask my, my media guy here. Yeah. I do not go to a flip unless it's like, hey man, can we go f- shoot it? By the way, uh, my media guy's here. Uh, we have several flips. That's another thing we can do for YouTube. We have mm-hmm. several flips right now that we can go back into. But you can't do any of those things until you become a real business owner. Right. Until you begin to learn how to properly staff and have systems and processes and you know you know home in on your marketing and and uh, more importantly measure like measure what what is measure you know what, what what we measure right what we measure grows right metrics KPIs right marketing KPIs ROI there uh, productivity and performance KPIs on on your staff. Right, you gotta measure and measure and measure. If not, man, you're just running blind. You're flying blind. Oh, absolutely. So, again, for the guy that's wholesaling today, right? Because they're listening, they're wholesaling. But we don't wholesale to wholesale. We wholesale as a vehicle to create success, to create wealth, for financial freedom, time freedom. So, what are the things that they need to do? What is wholesaling? What is wholesaling? What is wholesaling? Wholesaling is buying something cheap and selling it for more. Arbitrage. Okay. You know, it, it's a little confusing when 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 people like fix and flippers. We because a, a lot of our mentorship, like a lot of our program, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, the All In Executive Elite program. It's a mentorship and a mastermind combined, right? And you saw that. Like yeah. we brought in people like you to talk about certain things that you're an, an expert in. But when people come to us, they're they're fixing and flipping, or they're doing whatever. They're rental guys, whatever, and they're like, "Hey, man, teach me how to wholesale." I'm like, "Teach you how to wholesale." Wholesaling is just an exit strategy. Mm-hmm. Wholesaling is just an exit. Whole- it's like you saying, "Come, teach me how to fix and flip. Yeah. Teach me how to buy and hold. Teach me how to wholesale. That's why I asked you, what is wholesaling? Right. Wholesaling is not, is not uh, grabbing properties at a discount. That, that's just acquisitions. That, that's yeah, just sourcing. You, you know what I mean? Like wholesaling is not what people think it is. Wholesaling is an exit strategy. What I teach people and what you teach people is we teach people how to land these off-market, deeply discounted properties. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to wholesale that, you can wholesale that. Right. If you want to fix and flip that, you can fix and flip that. If you want to keep it, hold it, and run the burst strategy, right? right? then do that. But wholesaling is not what people think it is. I just want people out there to understand 
that wholesaling isn't what you think it is. It's an exit strategy. Yeah, no, that's a good point, right? Because we, we, we jumble it together with sourcing deals. Sourcing deals is really the most valuable skill. All those other ones is just however you like to run a business, optimal for how you Th run. This is my area of expertise is this, right? Because everybody has their area. Let me ask you this, Steve. What is your area of expertise? Um, well, I mean, I think it's running a business and sales. Beautiful. I agree with you. Yeah. If you ask me, what is your area? Okay, let me ask you, what do you think my area of expertise is? And then I'll, I'll give you some feedback. What do you think my area of expertise is? Uh, I think there's a large part of it is you will actually listen to somebody and care about them and then see where they're missing. See what is short in their business and plug in that hole. Beautiful. My area of expertise is, first and foremost, uh, we've spent millions of dollars figuring out this marketing thing. Mm -hmm. So my, one of my areas of expertise is marketing. Marketing, how to, you know, what, to, like, what marketing channels to use in specific cities, right? Because we have tracked long enough, and not only for ourselves, but, right, you, imagine this, right? Like, you got a mentee in Florida. What works in, in Florida might not work in California. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, I got mentees in, um, what is that weird, sorry, and it's not weird. Uh, I got mentees in Missouri and Nebraska. Mm -hmm. What works in Nebraska, bandit signs still work in Nebraska. Good luck trying to put bandit signs out in LA County. You see what mm -hmm. I'm saying, right? Yeah. So my area of expertise is marketing, acquisitions, right? Building an infrastructure, growing that business, scaling that business, delegating that business and exiting that business. That is my area of expertise. Yeah. Does that make sense? Makes sense. So but marketing there's a lot acquisitions. Of, there's a lot in there. Go ahead. Let's break it down. I want to say like, you know, like it, it it'd be hard to say I'm excellent at all these things, right? There's gotta be like two, three where like I am the absolute best. Right. Okay. Uh, all right. I'll say this. Um, I am one of the best people out there to help somebody Build, grow, and scale a real estate operation. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you have the track record for that. That's one of my areas of expertise, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, I don't want people to think of people like you and me as wholesalers. Right. Because the wholesale, like wholesaling is an, an exit strategy. Yeah. We're far so, more than just wholesalers. So again, like to go from running a real estate business to having a second business, right? what are the things that are missing generally where you can go from even like one from, from one business to two or three businesses. What are the things, key fundamentals that are, need to be in place? I think I, I believe that the most important factors that need to be in place is uh, your on your on the personnel side is a lead like a leadership leadership team. Mm -hmm. I could not expand into other ventures if I did not have the leaders that I have in my real estate operation, the Jaden Putneys, the John Acunas, the John Huttons, the Adrian Salgados. You know, I cannot expand into other business ventures if I have not built and scaled a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Right? Now, there is so, there, there are so many challenges that a salesperson turned into a hustler, turned into a businessman has to go through to, to build that machine. One is, you know, your own personal belief system, right? It's like, do I trust this person with my business? Mm -hmm. Do I trust this person, this person with the livelihood of my family? Do I let go of the rope now? Do I do it later? Like, you see what I'm saying? There are so many challenges mm -hmm. that hustlers that want to become business owners have to go through. 
do I pay this person? There's a lot of people out there that don't want to pay. They don't want to pay to play. If you listen, not only do they not want to pay, they want to be cheap. I was just about to get there. The difference between you paying thirty thousand dollars a year to paying forty thousand dollars a year, fifty thousand dollars a year, sixty thousand dollars a year, there is a significant quality of people differential, right? Mm-hmm. That comes with that compensation plan. Yeah. Sometimes the difference between $3,500 and $4,200, you're getting a tire kicker. And I'm, I'm sorry, anybody out there that is making, I'm not calling you a tire kicker. Uh, so don't, before the, the hate comments start, right? Because <laughs> God knows how that goes. A tire kicker from a potential executive sometimes. Right. Uh, someone that you can actually grow into an executive position. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but it sounds like the key here then really is having the right people. First and foremost is having the right people, mm-hmm. right? And the other thing, man, is having the right systems in place. You got to have the right systems in place. And systems can mean anything. Systems can mean a CRM system that tracks your deals and your leads. And that's, that's a systematic approach from the techn- like technology aspect. But what about the fact from like, hey, I get a deal, I'm an acquisition manager, right? Here's a system, marketing, phone calls, acquisitions, this position. You see what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. a system can be people too. Yeah. That's a whole, hey, that is the, 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 the the New England Patriots, do they have a system? They have a pretty darn good system. They have a pretty damn good system, right? And that's what I'm saying. Is their systems technology based or personnel based? No, it's definitely a personnel. Exactly. So don't don't get like people often get that confused. Like, is he talking about like my CRM or you know the way that we? No, I'm talking about the overall system approach of people and 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 everything else that goes into you know systems and processes. So So I think those are the two biggest factors, man, is people and systems. So this is the first time we got questions from Discord. So um, if Ray Leezy, if you had to start over with no money or referral connections, what would you? do to get your first deal? I would cold call. Cold call. Who would you cold call? I would cold call. I would do a mixture of the following, right? If, if I was in that situation, by the way, I haven't ate. If I'm a little shaky, it's because my blood sugar is probably, I'm going to go have a really great meal after this. Uh, anyway, um, so I usually fast till about three to five. That's awesome. TMI. Back to him. Uh, Discord guy, uh, Ray Leasy. What's mm-hmm. his name? Yeah. Ray, 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 Ray Lido. Ray Leasy. Ray Leasy. Ray Leasy. What I would do is I would download a list from anywhere. It could be whatever Steve puts on here, right? Whoever's paying up a whole bunch of money to be on here. I'm just joking, Steve. Uh, no, that's anyway, fine. No, uh, my, my, my soul's for sale. I already, okay, I already put it out there. Sale. Anyway, um, so anyway, um, I would use whatever to pull a list, right? I would pull a list. And what I would do is I would combine a mixture. If I'm going to do 10,000 records, I would probably do 5,000 records of absentee owner, um, I would probably do 30% equity or better, 30% mm-hmm. or equity or more, right? Because nowadays, you know how the way thing, the way the market is, right? You don't have to be 50, 70% discount. No. Yeah, I mean, you can be 10%, right? You By the time you pull that list, 30, 30%. 20%, really, but I'm just playing it super <laughs> yeah. conservative here and saying 30, right? Yeah. 20% if you're feeling froggy, mm-hmm. okay? The other 50% would come from owner occupants with yeah. the same criteria. The reason why that's important is because with the absentee owner, you're not gonna get a lot of conversations, but you're gonna get a home run if you, if you land a deal there because these homeowners, 
they don't have that personal emotional attachment to that home. This is either a secondary home, a vacation home, an Airbnb home, or a home that they just got, like they were inherited or whatever, right? But there's not as much personal connection and emotional attachment to that piece of property. Now, the owner-occupant side, this is why I want you to mix it. Because you're gonna get a lot of conversations, unlike this side, you're gonna get a lot of conversations, but you're gonna get a lot of people that tell you to go screw yourself. You need the best of both worlds because you need to be having conversations and you need to be making offers and that's how you're gonna be able to convert deals. That's the kind of list that I would pull. Now, by the way, I completely forgot this step. Once you pull that list, put that into a dollar, I don't know whatever he is affiliated with, put that into a dollar, right? Dial for a bare minimum of four to six hours every single day. Do not get off the phone till you get two to four leads for that day, okay? Now, statistically speaking, this is the way it's, it's this, why am I looking at that camera? Wait. Statistically speaking, right, I'm looking at the wrong camera. Um, where is it at? Where are we at, by the way? I think the one you, you got look so at many fine. cameras in here, it's crazy. You got I one, two, three, fine. okay. Statistically speaking, okay, cold calling wise, for every 50 cold call leads, you're gonna convert a deal. Okay, did you hear that? So if I told you that you get two leads a day and you dial seven days a week, if we do the math, it's gonna take 50 leads, bare minimum, to actually have a shot at converting a deal, right? So if you do the math, 50 divided by two, that's 25. 25 days, more than likely, that's what it's gonna take you to realistically convert a, those leads into a deal. Now, the other side of cold calling, do not get discouraged if, if you're talking to a bunch of cold leads. This is cold calling. This isn't pay-per-click or direct mail. These are cold leads, right? So sometimes it might take you an average time frame of 50 to 60 days of them sitting in that pipeline and you following up five to 10 times to convert that lead into a deal. So I just, it's multifaceted. Like I want you to look at 50 leads, 60 days. Okay, I hope that helps you out So, really easy. Let me ask you this question. When you were call, cold calling. I cold call off Mojo back in 2016. What was the absolute worst thing that anyone ever told you on the phone? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, had, uh, I had an old man tell me to go F myself. Yeah. And that if I call him one more time, he said, my 83-year-old behind is going to get in my car, find you, and beat the living ass out of you. So that was cool. <laughs> but it was funny. You didn't die. I didn't die. And that's another thing that I want to tell Mr. Ray Leasy. Yeah. Is, hey, brother, like, I didn't know how to cold call back in 2016, and I didn't even know how to use Mojo. It was like, it was hard, man. Like, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but I'll tell you what. After the 50th conversation, I was far better than the first conversation and I had more confidence and I, had, I was able to build more rapport and I had more knowledge. And after the 100th conversation, I was better than the 50th time. And after the 500th conversation, I was what you would probably consider an expert at this point. I was using the, using the assumptive approach. Hey, Steve, how's it going? Instead of like, uh, is this Steve Trang, right? Like I was already like rocking and rolling and I was, you know, I was getting better leads and converting more deals. So his follow-up question to that is, what are you struggling with in your most in your business right now? Myself? Mm -hmm. What am I struggling Today. with in my business? Yeah. 
just probably what everybody else is struggling. There's more money than deals out there right now. That's what I'm struggling with. So um, what I just did, um, I just uh, prepaid uh, Google um, $150,000 to launch a pretty broad um, national mar uh, pay-per-click campaign. Um, again, that's probably, I mean, that's, I don't care who you are. Like there are more, there aren't enough deals out there right now. Like, yeah, look at the inventory. I mean, you you look at the Cromford report every mm -hmm. single month. You know what's going on with the inventory, it's, right? It's brutal. So if anybody has a deal out there, please bring it. Uh, so Cap722, are you hiring in Arizona or do you hire out of state as well? Arizona. Oh, wait, we're not hiring. Oh, hold on, hold on. Unless you're a virtual assistant, no, I'm not hiring. Uh, and then Candace on YouTube, uh, Ask you about that deal, nine hundred and thirty-six thousand seven hundred. No, I didn't make nine hundred and thirty-six thousand. I think I made seven hundred and eighty-three thousand dollars net profitability after we paid the hard money lender. All right. So we what cleared, was that deal? We cleared seven hundred eighty-three thousand um, dollars. I think. Uh, well, I, I, we showed a picture of it yesterday, but you can go through my Instagram, and uh, that was a probate cold call deal that we nurtured for over six months. Well, so I took us 15, 15 attempts to uh, convert that uh, that person that inherited that property. Um, we got the deal for uh, this was in Berkeley, California, which has a very prestigious college there. Right. Did you go there? You look rejected. like you went there. No disrespect. No, I got rejected. Actually, they're okay. on my list of uh, the reason why you look like you went there is because one, you're a really very smart, smart intelligent yeah. Asian. You're great at math. <laughs> OK, yeah. So I actually, got, like you went to I actually got a perfect score on my on my GRE, and they said they didn't let you into Berkeley. They, they did not let me in. Crazy. I had a perfect score on the math anyway. So anyway, I picked it up for six forty nine, put about two fifty into it, sold it for one point seven something, and uh, we cleared close to eight hundred thousand um, dollars. It was a beautiful, beautiful deal, and now we're trying to do more deals like that. We're 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 that deal forced us to grow and start tapping into the higher end market because Probate. now we know how to do those deals. Probate. Cold call. Cold call. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so Tyler Hurst, how are you tracking how many follow-ups per contract? Our CRM system, prospectx.com, literally tracks every single metric you can think of. And what's your single favorite marketing source at the moment? You know, it, it, it's a toss-up between pay-per-click and cold calling, man. Like, it's a toss-up. The reason why I love pay-per-click, by the way, are you affiliated with any pay-per-click people? No? Uh, yeah, that's one of the very few affiliates we have. That's, uh, yeah. Who Bateman, is it? Bateman Collective. Who? Bateman Collective. Never heard of it. God yeah. bless them. They're probably doing a great job if you're affiliated with them. But um, what I love about pay-per-click. You yours. I'm not opposed to it. No. Well, I use Magnus, right? Yeah. Magnus, uh, which I am uh, part owner of Magnus Digital. Um, but I'm not the operator, um, a guy that we part strategically partner up with. He was a Google consultant for 10 plus years. Um, and uh, I think one of your guys actually knows him. Um, anyway, so. Well, I've met him, right? You're talking about Dave. No, oh, Dave. 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 Yeah, Dave. Oh, so, Dave. Um, okay, then I'm not. Yeah, I met him yeah, at yeah. your office. Dave? Yeah. Yeah, Dave. Dave. Uh, Dave's a, a owner of Magnus, and uh, he's been doing our pay per click um, service mm -hmm. or campaign since 2016. Um, what I love about pay per click is that if you're a good closer, there's two things that I love about pay per click. Three things that I love about pay-per-click. One, they're the hottest leads. Two, you convert them so much quicker. It only takes eight to 10 leads to convert into a deal. Three, the time frame goes from, you know, the cold calling time frame being like a 60-day lead to contract rate. 
to 21, 19 to 21 days lead to contract rate. So those three things alone, right, are going to change everything in your business. Now, in order for you to have a successful uh, real estate pay-per-click campaign, the three things have to be in order. One, you gotta have a pretty damn good optimized page, okay? So it can convert, one of, of your guys knows this. Yeah. Two, you gotta have a pretty damn good campaign manager. Mm -hmm. And three, what's the other, what's the third thing that you gotta have? Speed the lead. Sales skills. Oh, sales skills, yeah. Sales skills. Yeah. You gotta have a great closer on the other side of that phone. Yeah. Because that, when that phone rings, if you don't convert that deal. Someone else is. Someone else will, because guess what? When it comes to the pay-per-click, I would say uh, campaign and you know that whole dynamic, it's like, okay, I'm gonna call here. If I like them and I wanna do business with that person, then I'm gonna stop there. But if I don't like what I just heard or who I just spoke to, I'm gonna, call, I'm gonna click on the next ad. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens. Well, not just that. I mean, by the time they got to your page, they might've clicked on two or three other ones. So it's a free-for-all. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And, and, and I do love that about pay-per-click is the reason why these leads are so much hotter is because unlike cold calling and direct mail and all these other things that are out there, they're looking for you. Yeah. They know what they want. They know how they want it. They know when they want it. And they're looking for that service. Oh, specifically. Telling you, I'm a motivated homeowner. What can you do for me? Boom. Yeah. Uh, so on Instagram, Dr. House Flipper, as a rehabber, do I need to learn how to wholesale to acquire more deals or network for more wholesale? Absolutely. Absolutely, you should learn the art of acquiring deeply discounted off-market properties. Yeah. What do you think that does to your net profitability? You just went from making 30 to 40K on a house to doing what I do, mm -hmm. making multiple six figures on a house. Well, so we had Chris Jefferson on the show some time ago, right? And he CJ. basically said like, that is the single most important of all the skills, right? You mentioned marketing earlier, that's your superpower. One of them, yeah, right? one of them. Yeah, the, I'm also a great husband and a great father. I'm just joking. <laughs> but the, the ability to Super search deals power. is the one skill that will always be great no matter what time, what season, what going on in the economy. It just, it's, it's a timeless skill. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that because no matter what the market is doing, it's not dictating your ability to acquire deals. Yeah. Whether you're up or whether the market's up and you know oversaturated and overinflated, right? Mm -hmm. Or the market's down to what it was back in 2009. Yeah. Um, you're going to be able to grab deals. Um, you know, the market doesn't dictate your ability to grab deals. You're, you're going to put your sales skills uh, to work and you're going to grab deals where you need to grab deals. And you could dictate your income. Absolutely. All right. So... Uh, uh, Instagram, DD Forrest, what's the biggest mistake you've made? You know, one of the biggest mistakes that I, I've made, um, def, as a business owner, comes on the uh, personnel side. Hiring, hiring and not taking into account my core values. Your core values have to dictate how you hire, how you fire, you know, and also, you know, for anybody out there listening, hire slow, fire fast. Mm -hmm. Time and time again, Sal and I have waited, my business partner, for people to leave on their own terms. Time and time again. Instead of us pulling the plug, we wait around for them to exit however they want to exit. I'm so surprised by that. Yeah. Well, that's we learned our lessons yeah. last year. And uh, it's going to be life changing forever. Yeah. It doesn't take very long for Max to just walk in. It's like, all right, hey, look, we're going to go get, we're going to, we're going to Starbucks. <laughs> we're going to have a conversation, right? And that's done. 
Yeah, so it's... Sal, uh, Sal and I, were, we were, we, you know, you, you do, I'll, I'll be honest with you, when you have so many open doors the way we do, mm-hmm. you do lose some focus and you lose grip, yeah. right? That's what traction is all about, right? Mm-hmm. Having grip on your business, right? Having a grip on your business. Uh, one of my favorite business books out there, uh, Traction, uh, Rocket Fuel, and Scaling Up, and Measure measure What Matters. Yeah, that, I love that mm-hmm. book. I'm halfway there, and it's so good so far. Anyway, so we used to have so much go on, like, okay, we're building, uh, you know, like now we're building an e-com- e-commerce company that's going to be an eight-figure company this year, by the way, right? The forecast, that's what it's dictating. So we're building an e-com business, so sometimes other things have to suffer. And, you know, when you lose grip of certain businesses, you don't have your eye on the ball every day the way that you should. Yeah. And things are going to slip through the crack, whether it's people or systematic things, right? Things are going to slip through the crack, and it's going to cost you heavily. Yeah. So let's see. uh, uh, What was the next question here? So they're asking, where would you hire acquisitions managers? And you kind of touched on it earlier. So where are your acquisition managers? Yeah, so for the rest of my uh, existence in the real estate space, um, I will always have a physical in-house sales director that oversees 10 to 20 to 30, at one point maybe even 50, because again, these people are costing me $7 an hour plus a few hundred dollars in bonuses. I'm no longer paying these huge commissions and these huge salaries as acquisition managers, right? That's what I love about this model. It could be so scalable compared to the in-house model. So I will always have a sales director, but I will always hire virtual acquisition managers from CogGeeks, if you don't mind, CogGeeks.com, no. right? That's where okay. I have That's 10 I asked, of them. I wanted, to, I wanted you to answer this question. Okay, but if you, are, if you feel like you're not equipped to hire virtual acquisition managers, then yeah, I would hire uh, uh, I would hire uh, uh, door-to-door salespeople, whether they're selling you know solar or they're selling vacuum cleaners or they're selling um, uh, what is that called the when you exterminate um, what is that uh, exter- pest control or whatever yeah. right yeah I would also hire um, people from the car industry right but just keep in mind that at some point these people are gonna make enough money to feel that they're in a position to move on yeah that's gonna happen. So you hire an acquisition manager, how would you go about training them on sales? Well, first and foremost, I would probably grab, uh, I would probably either send my, the people that I, I trust that are gonna be with me for over a year, send them to like your, you know, your sales, uh, your sales shops that you do, mm-hmm. uh, put them through whatever sales courses that you do. Um, you know, I would probably put together a legitimate onboarding process for that specific position. Yeah. Every organization is different, but one thing that I would include in that onboarding process is sales, uh, sales training. Yeah. Um, and then Kai's asking, what do you do to get over mental hurdles? Huh. Uh, I work on myself, man. Uh, Kai, that's a great question because one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest things that is not talked about in, in, in the entrepreneur space is, uh, 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 would you call it a men- mental m- m- mental illnesses or what would you call it? Like anxiety, depression, you know what I mean? Like yeah, I mean, they're, uh, mental, it's, um, what, what is the NFL calling it now? Like mental? I think they call remember? it CTE, but. Uh, no, 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 but, but remember they're like, because like, people do develop these like anxiety and depression mm-hmm. once they leave. Uh, artists, you know, artists develop that after they're done with their careers. Um, actors develop it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, athletes develop it right so mental issues right um 
you have to take care of yourself, man. Um, you got to have the discipline and you got to have the awareness that as much as you want to be a machine, you're not. You know, the working out, the good eating, the water intake, the grounding, the meditation, the breath work, the personal development coaches, right? The massages, the sensory deprivation floats, all of that. Like, you gotta take into account that you either adapt and evolve and make that part of you and take care of yourself, self-care, or eventually you're gonna go through what I've went through. I've been through three crashes, like complete crashes, where I am out of commission for two months. 2017, 2019, 2021. I was not taking care of myself. I got pictures of where I was 270 pounds because I would stress eat, right? How, like every single business owner out there, every entrepreneur out there, like how do you numb yourself? What do you, like do you go to, do you consume drugs, alcohol, women? like entertainment, food, how do you numb yourself? Because guess what? Stress is real and we figure out ways to numb our stress. And I just gave you some of the options, like choose your option of numb. Yeah. For me, it was food, it was alcohol. Um, I think it was food and alcohol for me. For me, it's definitely ice cream. Ice cream? Definitely ice cream. Oh, you're one of those, huh? Yeah, so when check, I get stressed, it's, it's, it's what, dairy let me Let me show you something for anybody out there. I'm gonna show you specifically, watch this. Ooh, <laughs> that was you. Ooh. How <laughs> do you numb yourself? Yeah, that was I don't food know if anybody alcohol. can zoom in on that. Yeah. That's alcohol and food, guys. That's yeah. 270 pounds of raw inflammation. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Robert Campbell is asking, how did you get into purchasing businesses? You know what's crazy, man? So my first purchase... Uh, we paid $350,000 for a medical company. And this was back in, I think it was 2018. Um, what I want you to know, Robert, is once you develop a blueprint, a blueprint on how you can get in and build and scale and delegate and systemize a business, you can do that with any venture. Whether it's medical, whether it's solar, whether it's import-export, uh, whether it's software, whether it's education, whether it's real estate. One? Well, my first one obviously was was real estate. You know that. But how like, did you find the first one that you bought? Oh, uh, medical. Uh, so I was buying about fifty thousand dollars a week um, as far as product, the diabetic uh, products from this this gentleman. And uh, one day, we said, "Hey, would you ever be opposed to selling?" I mean, I was already buying. You know, right? So I'm like, how do I cut out the middle guy, right? And at first he wanted over $600,000 and then I, my sales skills came into play and I, I, I brought him down to 350K from 600,000. Yeah. So it was, it was something that I was already doing. If anybody out there is interested in purchasing a business, by the way, I am going to sell a few businesses, especially any of the businesses that are making between 300,000 and a million dollars, I am going to sell those businesses because guess what, right? What, you know, I'm only, I'm only focused now on building seven, eight, and nine-figure businesses. Um, I have to close down some doors that are just not worth my mental real estate. Absolutely. Uh, so RJ Bates is trolling us over here. So 
He's not uh, a better closer than me, by the way. I just uh, want everybody to know so that. So he did say as an aspiring closer because we know he's not that great at closing. He's uh, uh, me and you can just. I mean, yeah, we we run laps for around sure. this guy. He's probably uh, a good. He's probably a good hockey player. But as far as closing, if me, you, and him were in the room, he definitely would be third best. Uh, if he make it even a top three. So exactly. Uh, he wants to know: Should he wear seventeen or eighteen healing bracelets to feel perfectly balanced? He probably needs. Let me see. <laughs> amethyst. Uh, <laughs> Tiger Eye. Uh, no, you don't need, you need one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven bracelets. Seven. Uh, and RJ, just so you know, I am ice skating these days because he said that he wouldn't fight unless it was on the, on the rink. So I'm, I'm, and the ice skating ring? Yeah. So I'm learning, so I'm learning how to ice skate. I think most, more, most people will lose that battle to him. Yeah. I think, they, I think so too, but yeah, I will step up to that challenge. Player. All right. So Kai wants to know again, following up. How do you continue to grow business once you've reached your goal for that business? Right, you have a vision. Yeah, you hit so it. So what we're doing, what we're doing this year is we're bringing in, uh, we're hiring two CEOs, right, and we're mm -hmm. paying them anywhere from eighty to one hundred fifty thousand dollars. What I discussed earlier was, you know, there's multiple ways that you can exit a business. One way is exiting external, which you can sell the, the business for you know three x or six x of what it does on an annual basis, um, or you can exit internally by hiring a CEO. Um, I believe that a CEO is going to do a much better job than me at that one specific business than I would be doing myself. This is an educated, you know, uh, more than likely went to ASU and got some type of business degree. And this is like, this is their dream. Their dream is to be a CEO, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I think that they're going to do a much better job. And we're working on exiting two companies with CEOs this year by, by the end of the second quarter. And then uh, Max on our team wants to know, uh, is your virtual team getting the contract signed? Oh my God, yeah. They're, so they started as a follow-up manager. So this is the way that the uh, journey went for my virtual acquisition team. They started out as a cold caller. They became really good cold callers. Then they became follow-up managers or lead managers where they're just following up and kind of alluping them to the closers, mm -hmm. right? And then we trained them, uh, Adrian Salgado and John Hutton, trained them to be killer closers. Uh, so it, it, it didn't happen overnight, by the way. You got to put in a good amount of work. But you know what I love about the virtual acquisition model? What's that? Right? And shout out to my, 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 my boy, Amir, who's like, like, we had virtual people, and then we got away from it. And then Amir's like, hey, man, this is crushing for me. And then we're like, okay, thanks, Amir. We got back into it. Now my virtual acquisition team is like, they're on a dollar. They're on a power dollar. Mm -hmm. So where your, your guys having five, 10 conversations a day, my guy's having 30 to 50 conversations a day, right? And, and what I love about my virtual acquisitions team is that they're built to have, they're built like cold callers. They're trained, they're programmed, they're conditioned like cold callers. So they don't mind dialing for eight straight hours and talking to 50 to 70 people. Yeah. How much of an advantage does that give me? It gives you incredible advantage. Right? So um, you are gonna put in some, some heavy lifting the first, you know, I would say 60 to 90 days. But there's a couple things that are gonna happen once you train these VAs to acquire properties for you. One, your turnover isn't gonna be what it is right now. Two, they're not entitled babies because let's be honest, no disrespect to anybody out there, but I'm talking to all the business owners, a lot of your employees here in America, they want more and then they get it and then they want more and then they get it and they want more and then they get it. It's just never gonna be enough. I'm telling you that right now. There's people that have made over a quarter million dollars that went from making thirty dollars to $50,000 to making a quarter million dollars in a year, and they still want more. So that should tell you something. I've, had people, I've been through it all. 
I have people that worked with me, you know, they, when they first started working with me, they were making 30,000 a year. And when they left me, they were making 300 grand a year. And it's like, what else do you want? They want your babies. They do. And so I actually had, a, uh, <laughs> I was actually having a conversation with someone last week. They're like, my guy's making 350,000 a year. And he's not happy. And he wants more. And there's nothing more to give. Like, what else can I give him? I'm right? over it. I'm, 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 I am so done with that model. And that's, uh, that, that is, for all of you people, for all of you, for all the other real estate entrepreneurs out there watching this session, right, this, this show, I am so done with that old school model. You know, that's the old model, man. And, and I, 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 love for, I got love for a lot of the pioneers of this industry, like Sean Terry and, you know, people that, you know, they, they, they embedded this model into us, but I got a new model, and this is the model that I'm running with for the rest of my existence. Well, that's, uh, I mean, uh, another good friend of ours, right, Pace Marva, he's basically said in a, in a mastermind, I am not hiring any more Americans. <laughs> I'm over it. There are so many advantages to hiring virtual people. We can talk about that off record. Yeah. Uh, all right. So last question. This is Dan Bro on Instagram. What is your process for evaluating any new business ideas or opportunities? I love that question. I mean, you, got, you got some high level people in this in this this show, right? The first thing that I evaluate is what is the market cap? Remember we talked about market cap earlier? Mm-hmm. We said, well, you know, if you're a privately owned real estate investment, investing operation, your market cap's going to be about $10 million. And not everything going right for you. Okay? So for, everybody, for all the ballers out there, you're not balling, dude. <laughs> you know, no disrespect, because if, if it was just real estate for us, we would not be balling. Mm-hmm. You know, or I don't even want to say that, because I'm not a baller. That's for all the cloud chasers out there. They're ballers, and they got jets and stuff. Anyway. Market cap, number one. Two, is, you know, is this a business venture that's going to make me a minimum of seven figures? Three, can I scale this business? Can I grow it? Right? Those are three factors that determine if I'm going to enter this venture or not. Yeah. Those are three very important factors for me. I'm uh, in the middle of a book uh, from Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Never heard and, of it, uh, but I should probably read it, huh? You're uh, Asian. You're smarter than me. Yeah, Peter Thiel's, tell me a, well, Peter Thiel's a really sharp dude. He's the one that uh, they're changing all the IRA laws because he made billions of dollars tax-free. Anyway, um, so <laughs> wow. one thing he talked about is right now when you're valuing businesses, you shouldn't be valuing businesses based off net income today or net profits today. Mm-hmm. When you're working, if trying to figure out if you want to be in this industry or not is what is the net profits going to be in three to five years. Mm. And if you can't figure out what the net profits going to be in three to five years, then you shouldn't be in that industry. Well, this is this is the other thing, right? Like, what did we just say? I said, what is the market cap, right? Mm. For me, every every uh, what I'm the way that I'm approaching every single venture is like I I am now starting with the end in mind. Yeah. Like, what does that look like in twelve months, thirty six months, five years, ten years, right? You have to remember. My goal, if God ever allows it, is for, you know, if, if God ever allows me to become a, a you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm in my 30s now. I don't know if I'll ever be a billionaire, right? But mm-hmm. if I ever do, you know, become a billionaire, well, I'm already thinking like a billionaire. How do billionaires think? Billionaires think in decades. Yeah. They think in 10 years. They don't, they, they, they don't think in, like, today. Like, a lot of people, I used to think that way. Like, oh, man, like, how much money am I making today? You, right? Right. Like, that, a lot of nine to five folks and a lot of thousandaires, like, they think in, like, today. Like, what am I making today? What am I making this week? How am I going to pay that bill, right? Six-figure earners, they think in a matter sometimes of, you know, months, months, I would say sometimes months, quarterly. Seven-figure earners, millionaires, they think in, uh, they definitely think in years, one, two, three. 
Maybe five. Um, billionaires, they think in decades for sure. Well, if we ever get to that billionaire status, I'm going to need your help because I want to fix and flip the Cardinals, right? Because they need help. Would I buy the Cardinals? I don't need you to buy. I just need you to lend me the money so I can buy the Cardinals. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, I want you to think about what you want to leave the listeners with. I'm going to make a couple quick announcements. Guys, if you got value today, which I, I believe you should have, right? Like, subscribe, share, comment, right? I see 29 likes, but 65 people watching. Hit that, hit that like button. Uh, we do have our new channel. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to be uploading the five top objections. We're talking to homeowners, so check that out. Uh, and then we do have our workshop coming up in a couple of weeks. So DM me the word workshop, and we'll see if we can fit you in there. Uh, and next week, we got TJ to Johnny. Oh. And he's going to be talking about Airbnbs. I've heard really good things about him. What, what should they be excited about next week? Man, this dude is teaching gurus how to do Airbnb. So that should tell you something. Like, yeah. like he's teaching my team. He's teaching, like, myself how to do these short-term rentals. And this is going to be a life-changing event for, for a lot of – or a life-changing episode for a lot of people. Uh, pay attention because this guy's going to give away a lot of game. Awesome. All right. So what are some last thoughts you want to leave everybody with? You know what could serve this community? Because I, I love I love your community, and and I've been a part of it since it started. Thank God, you know, and thank you for that. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of people are still thinking too small. You know, they're they're thinking too small. Um, what what is it going to take for you to take for you to think bigger than just a one million dollar a year or three you know three million dollar a year five million dollar a year real estate operation? And don't get me wrong, a lot of people are very happy with that. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. There, my, my father-in-law, who makes sixty dollars to $70,000 a year driving a City of Phoenix dumpster truck, he's pretty happy with himself. So again, happiness is the ultimate success, right? But for those of you that are like real ambitious entrepreneurs that want to really change the trajectory of your family and, and, and want to make the kind of money where you're not only changing your family's life, but now you're changing your family's family's life. Start thinking big and start thinking with the end in mind and, and, and just really understand how much work and how much sacrifice it's going to take for you to accomplish those big, hairy, audacious goals and commit to it and commit to that dream with conviction. That's my, that's my advice. That's powerful. That's incredibly powerful. Uh, Forgot, guys, again, one more time, do check out our Discord. Uh, we're going to be posting a link here. Uh, how can someone get a hold of you? Carlos Reyes on Instagram, Carlos Reyes on Facebook, uh, uh, Latino Poppy on OnlyFans. I'm joking. I don't have a Latino Poppy. Uh, I'm just Carlos Reyes on Instagram, bro. You know, I saw I saw this great uh, meme the other day. It's like, it was know, about, wasn't me? It, it wasn't about you. Okay. It should have been. It was really, but you're too good looking for it. So oh. it was basically like... Now I am, now that I lost 50 pounds. It's, it, the, the message is basically like, please... Buy from me because I don't look good enough for OnlyFans. <laughs> so. I that is marketing to it, right? That is that. I love that. I love yeah. that. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you, brother. Another Thank three years. We'll do this again in three years. You know, I, I think maybe twelve months. This is gonna update in twelve right, months. Twelve months. All right. Cool. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors.